0: You are listening to the Special Needs Mom podcast. This is Kara, your host, and I am so glad you're here. Before we get into this episode, I want you to know that Pathway to Peace, which is a group coaching program, is currently available to join. This program is built on three main pillars. First, coaching. It's the real powerhouse. It's what I do. It's what I love. Second, community. And if you've been around for a little bit more than a minute, you know how I feel about community and the power that it has to heal and change your life. And lastly, I have a library of content filled with resources, with modules, with lessons. We go way deeper than I can go in on the podcast. And these are available to you in a way that you can consume them in your busy life. This program would be a good fit for you if you've stabilized past the point of initial diagnosis and find yourself spinning a little bit more than you'd like to in overwhelm. And you can't imagine how given all the things in your life, you can have any sort of peace ever again. Through the program, you will gain the gift of acceptance. You will do the work to recover your spark. You'll leave the program with the tools and the confidence that you have what you need to have joy and peace part of your life once again. So it's time to change it up. I know you've been saying yes to everybody, especially serving with all your heart and everything you have to your child. Now it's time to say yes to you. Find the link in the show notes to get more information and for next steps. Hi, I'm Kara, life coach, wife, and mom to four incredible and unique children. It wasn't all that long ago that my son received a diagnosis that had my world come crashing down. I lacked the ability to see past the circumstances, which felt impossible, and the dreams I once had for my life and family felt destroyed. Fast forward past many years of surviving and not at all thriving, And you'll see a mom who trusts that she can handle anything that comes her way and has access to the power and confidence that once felt so lacking. I created the Special Needs Mom podcast to create connection and community with moms who find themselves feeling trapped and with no one who really understands. My intention is to spark the flare of possibility in your own life and rekindle your ability to dream. This isn't a podcast about your special needs child. This is a podcast about you. If you are a mom who feels anxious, alone, or stuck, then you are in the right place. Welcome. All right. Well, welcome back to the Special Needs Mom Podcast. This is a very different kind of episode. I'm experimenting as always, and I'm really excited about it. And once again, this is an episode that is inspired by my own life experience and what I'm perhaps struggling with or in sometimes celebrating. And what is on my mind a lot lately is what I call birthday season. Um, A couple of my kids and myself have birthdays all right in a row. And this year, especially the difference between my daughter's requests and ideas and experience versus my son's are really, really apparent. And I'm having a really hard time navigating it and especially processing my own feelings about it. So I thought, why not have a conversation on the podcast about it? So, this conversation is going to be between myself and three other moms with different backgrounds, different disabilities they parent, you know, ages, quantity of children, all the things. And so, the hope that I have is that we'll give a different perspective than our own, that we get to kind of step out of our own experience, one, connect with other moms and kind of be in the sorority of experiencing the same types of challenges, but yet also expand our mind a little bit to perhaps learn, perhaps see some other ways of looking at it, and also just perhaps to kind of grieve together as a community. So let's get started first with some introductions. So let's hear who is part of the conversation. Welcome, Brooke.
1: Hi, my name is Brooke, and I live in San Diego. I am the mom to a 12-year-old girl named Lily, and Lily's diagnoses include um, autism, intellectual disability, She's also primarily nonverbal and struggles with self injurious behavior. So that's just a little (laughs) intro to my life. (laughs) It's
0: not that many words, but it says a lot. So thank you so much for being here. Erica, please introduce yourself.
2: Hi, I'm Erica and I live in very rural Washington state. I have three kiddos and my middle one jack who will be four in july his birthday is coming up he was diagnosed with william syndrome which is a super rare genetic syndrome and he received that diagnosis about two years ago so for the first i'd say about two and a half years of his life we were just racking our brains to figure out what was going on and it was both devastating and a relief to get that diagnosis finally
0: thanks for being here and robin
3: Hello, my name is Robin Cortese. I am also from San Diego, and I have a son, Michael, who just turned four at the end of February, and he has a rare genetic condition called Rubenson taybi syndrome, but part of that diagnosis includes cerebral palsy and some other movement disorders, um, so that's really where we're coming from.
0: And you might recognize Robin from episode 31. Um, she's one of the OGs, man. So go back and listen to that episode. Cause I remember you're thinking, wow, this woman, she's got it going on. It was, it was really, really, really good episode. Okay. So let's get into the birthday conversation. So the first thing I thought we'd set the stage with is just really kind of like, what do birthdays bring up for you? We each have our very own different experience. I think given a lot of different factors. Um, And I'm, I'm noticing that this year, especially my son is having a harder time with his birthday. And then that has the impact on me watching my son struggle. So for me, when I think about his birthday in particular, I'm kind of setting aside my other children's birthdays. Cause honestly, those are hard for me too. (laughs) They're a lot of work. I'm always kind of like, I want to make sure they feel celebrated and special, but Also, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but I'm going to set those aside for now and just focus on Levi, who is my child with disability. I feel like what really gets exposed, especially at his age, he's 13, is the lack of those deep, meaningful relationships. You know, at 13, I'm able to compare my son, Levi, his disabilities with my 15-year-old son. And... The difference in relationships and how how it's going for him. And so this year, as we're talking about how do you want to celebrate? Who do you want to celebrate with? And the list is quite short of who he's really able to desire in terms of peer friendship. It's hurting me. It's like painful for me to watch. And I think also it's exposing his lack of hobbies and desires and interests. You know, trying to get a gift for somebody, you obviously want them to be excited about it. You want them to love it. And I'm kind of like, my husband are like, what do we get this child? The one thing he would love is something that we don't want him to have, which is a cell phone. (laughs) We have such a hard time. He does have a phone, but it's every weekend. We try to figure out how to like re-disable it from all the things that he um, hacks around because for him... We like to really limit the things that he's able to do on that. Um, And so he'd love a new fancy phone. That's obviously not something that we feel like would be supportive for him. So I just feel like it brings up and exposes a lot of things we always deal with, but it really has it in my face during this season. And not just around his birthday, but when siblings of his are invited to other parties and he's like, I want to go, I want to go. And it was fine when he was little. It was fine when like, you know, my kids were like, Five and three, you know, you can bring the little baby along, but it's different when you're 13 and your brother's going to a 15 year old birthday party. And so it just really is exposing a lot of the sadness, I think, that is part of the special needs mom journey. So I'll turn it over to each of you and just kind of answering the question like, what do the topics of birthdays bring up for you in terms of your experience of what it's bringing up for you?
2: This is Erica. For me, I. I think back to when Jack was born and it wasn't, it didn't take very long for him to become a really fussy baby. And now that we know what we know about his Williams syndrome diagnosis, a lot of the things that he presented with were because of Williams syndrome. And we didn't know that. And so every year when his birthday comes around, I can't help, but think of the expectations that I had for him as a baby Mm -hmm. That turned out not to come to fruition, which then turns out that nothing I really had thought that he would be is what he is, including his future. And so while I'm grateful for every birthday, it also has a little bit of a triggering effect because I can't help but think of those first few weeks, those first few months were really hard. And his birthday is something that It's just kind of a mixed bag of emotions, I guess, (laughs) because it just makes me think about what I didn't know and what I didn't know I was getting into. Mm.
0: It's like it has us grieve the person that you were then that didn't know what you know now. You can look back and it's almost like, gosh, wouldn't it be great to be so naive again? (laughs) Um, yeah. And it's not that you feel sorry for her, but I think it, again, it just exposes something to be grieved, which was the mom that you were at the time that you didn't know. Um, what you know?
2: Oh, hundred percent. Yes, exactly. I had this conversation recently with my mom about just the, the person that I was the mom that I was before he came along. And I am um, not saying that that's all a bad thing. It's just that it is, I've, I have changed. Um, And, and it just has a certain, there is something there too that I still grieve.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Robin.
2: So
3: I have two children. My oldest is Marcus. He is five. And like I said, Michael just turned four at the end of February. So we're still kind of in that, like, little kid birthday party you can bring little brother to the party and or whatever event but for us birthday parties is the topic but so lately birthday parties have been really fun and for us it's been a really great way to introduce our community and marcus's friend circle to michael and in a way that like inclusion happens at school inclusion is happening at these birthday parties michael's and marcus's and we've been really uplifted by the community and everyone is really excited to see Michael there and and note milestones that are reached or sometimes we call them inch, inch stones for Michael. So we've really enjoyed celebrating birthdays which is very different and I know that that's maybe a little bit rare in this community but if you've listened to my episode you know that I'm really generally positive sunshine and rainbows and I don't really tend to let a lot get me down. So I th- on the positive side. And I think that kind of goes on to my kids and then to the people that are at parties with us. And so I think that that just, we get excited about all of Michael's little celebrations. And I think that helps the community celebrate him too. So that when the time comes, when Marcus is older in school and somebody thinks that it might be Interesting to comment on Michael or make a bullying type statement. I think that Michael will have a lot of older siblings, not just one, that will be willing to protect him. I think that that's something that we're trying to establish at birthday parties where it's just easy to tag Michael along and include him and create that inclusive environment now so that when he starts elementary school, people already know him and he already has a face at the school and he already has friends at the school that he feels safe with.
0: Yeah. I'll just add that I get to be kind of experiencing that uh, however many years later, I don't know the math, but cause you know, my Levi has an older brother. And so very much I'm getting to live the impact of the experience you're describing of where the impact of Levi being part of the community really, and having my oldest son, Cades, having his friends know and love Levi and, and having really kind of the borrowed friendships in some cases um, from actually all of the siblings of Levi to be able to kind of have the richness of relationship that maybe is not as direct as we might have it or other children might have it, but it, it doesn't mean it's not valuable. So thanks for sharing that perspective. Brooke, do you have anything to add on this?
1: Yeah, I will share kind of what comes up for me, you know, around Lily's birthday time. She's 12 now. And when she was little, we used to always, you know, have the big party and like whatever theme she was into, you know, we tried to kind of play off of that and we don't have birthday parties anymore for her. And I think part of that kind of stems from just like not feeling like we have friends or like she has friends, you know, it's, it's hard when she's nonverbal and can't say like, oh, mom, dad, I want to have this party and invite so-and-so from school. And I, I think I get in my own head oftentimes about if we have this party, is anybody even going to show up? And then the struggle of like, do we invite our typical peers? Do we invite just her special friends? I don't want to have a party that's going to be, you know, centered around making everyone else happy versus what my daughter really wants, which might be to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and have balloons, you know, (laughs) that's the things that make her happy. So I think as I talk about this, I feel anxiety kind of creep in. And then what the default has been for us is that we just don't do anything because we don't know what to do, you know, and that, that makes me sad.
0: Yeah. I, I very much relate to the desire not to do anything because it's so confusing on what to do. And that's where I'll I'll share. I realized I forgot to share kind of a quick introduction um, of myself in terms of my kind of children dynamic. And so my oldest is 15. Then Levi is 13. My next oldest is 11, all boys. And then my little girl is almost six. She's, she's five now part of the birthday group. And, We, I think, maybe differ a little bit in terms of just this conversation because Levi doesn't have any intellectual disabilities. He is very aware that he is disabled and that he doesn't have the same abilities in some ways that he deeply desires when he sees his siblings. And so he sees his siblings having birthday parties. He sees his siblings having friends over. He sees all these things happening. And I think what's happening this year is he's really experiencing the sadness of that and kind of the confusion of how he's experiencing, how does he navigate this? And so as I'm his mom walking along there with him, it is the the word is very confusing because I'm like, I want him to have a party. But when we try to put together an invite list, it got hard. It got really, really hard so I think, yeah, it's important to kind of recognize this is an evolving thing, one, as they, the kids grew up, but also so different because of all the different unique dynamics of their disabilities and how it affects them. I want to turn to what Robin hinted on and, and actually look at a side that uh, maybe we don't look at in this conversation. But, you know, maybe there's been something that you really loved about celebrating your child's birthday or a fond memory of a birthday celebration or even something that really worked for you. I was like, oh, man, we did that one party and that actually worked really well. I'll share that we did a birthday party. It's got to be three or four years ago. I don't know exactly, but COVID kind of messes with time warping, right? Um, (laughs) But we did a party where Levi wanted to share all of his disabilities with his community And so we kind of had a good old fashioned home birthday party. We tended to lean towards those. I'm too frugal to like do the fancy ones where you pay for like $500 of jump houses. (laughs) Robin, are you saying that's what you do? Are you, you do that? I'm like, nah. 100.
3: We are all home birthday parties, Okay, which is also helps with bringing the community together and inclusion of Michael because. Um, we just have really, it's rare in San Diego, but we have a really big backyard. So kids are small. So it's easy at this point to just put them all in the backyard and let them run around. And that's my style. I'm like, I'm
0: sticking (laughs) on with it. Like it's, it's definitely gone out of style. I think I'm the only mom around here that does that, but that's fine. So anyhow, we had this home party and Levi I was really excited about sharing all of his disabilities. So, you know, how, you know, home parties, you have birthday games, right? You know, pin the tail on the donkey, that kind of stuff. And actually one year, this was like when he was in preschool, we played Pin the Glasses on Levi. <laughs> so we made a blow up size poster of Levi and all of his preschool friends come over and blindfold him and spin him around, you know, like the good old fashioned fun. And then they tried to poke his glasses on. Anyhow, um, but then we also did one where a couple, you know, obviously a few years later, he was really at a point where he wanted to talk about his disabilities. And so we had, I think it was more, if I remember correctly, it was some friends from school, but all, also like we have a couple of family friends that have a lot of kids. And it's great because it really is kind of a built-in party. You invite them over. And, and actually, that's what we're going to be doing for his party this year is like, and you instantly have like 30 kids. <laughs> they have a lot of kids plus ours. And it's it's really, really fun. Um, And they know Levi and they appreciate Levi. So that's what feels really good about this. But this party, we had people cover one eye and then try to do an egg toss because what I didn't mention is Levi's blind in one eye. So for him to have his peers experience a flavor of his disability, it's not like they're going to experience the whole thing he thought that was really fun. We also, um, he's, you know, he's hemiplegic. So half of his body is not as uh, coordinated or strong as the other. So we came up with the idea of like taping sticks to everybody's legs and then having him do like a race to experience what it's like for Levi to have one side of his body, not as cooperative as the other. And, you know, the kids had fun with it. Like my oldest son, he like totally broke the stick off and, you know, had to win the race. But I think the idea that we really got to like really honor Levi felt really good. So I'll turn it over to you. And, you know, some of you haven't had as many birthdays to go back on, but like, is there something that you remember that really kind of hit the mark for you in terms of being able to, to enjoy the celebration and and honor your child?
3: Let's hear Robin. I'll go. Um, so Michael is nonverbal part of his, um, syndrome includes the average age for communication is five. So we're coming on that in the next year and Michael has an iPod through school. So now he is a little bit more communicative. We call them Michael chirps. He definitely ah, will yell at you when he wants something or doesn't want something. But for a long time, we would include Marcus in a lot of Michael's party or any kind of like decision-making by letting us know what Michael's favorite things were. So Marcus has told us that Michael's favorite color is red and orange. Um, And he would tell us what Michael's theme would be because he would like to help pick it out. And so it really helped Marcus be involved in the day. I think that he, for the first three years of Michael's life, we were averaging a hundred appointments a year and he's three and four years old. And so he was tending to feel really left out. Um, And so helping plan Michael's birthday party and tell us because, of course, he's the only one that knows Michael's true desires as the big brother. So he would tell us how to help plan it and what what kind of theme to do. And it really, I think, created their brotherly bond, because now when helping set up Michael's iPad, we call it his talk box um, because iPads are for games and movies and talk boxes just for communication. (laughs) So when setting up Michael's talk box Marcus made all the pictures of Michael in his own voice. So Marcus is saying Michael in the so every time now Michael pushes his own button um to say like Michael thirsty, Michael hungry, whatever. It's Marcus's voice. And so sometimes just to hear his brother's voice the teachers will tell us that he pushes the Michael button just to hear his brother's voice. So I think it having them like plan each other, well, having Marcus plan Michael's birthday party really created that bond that I don't know how we would have created otherwise. So I feel like that's been one huge way for us to celebrate is kind of including the whole family in the birthday party planning.
0: I love that. And I love that it just so honors their unique relationship and giving him the Acknowledgement that like he does probably know his brother better than anybody else, you know, being that they, you know, they're brothers. There's nothing nothing like that. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. Brooke.
1: So I'll kind of just tell you how we handle birthdays right now. We've discovered that Lily loves balloons. And so I started this tradition, I would say maybe when she was seven where every birthday I'll go get her a huge bouquet of balloons and like the big foil ones with however old she's turning. And she's never she's never been a kiddo that really cared about gifts. I don't know that she understands the concept of a gift. And her interests are so limited that it's not like she's pining after the latest toy or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, what's helped make her birthdays less Painful is just focusing on, you know what? She loves balloons. So I'm going to go all out and get her this huge bouquet of balloons and she's going to come home from school and be so excited. And so that's become a tradition that we do and it makes her happy. And she drags them around the house until they're all the way on the floor. And it's something that makes her happy and that makes me happy. Um, And now we kind of just tend to like have a Lily day where it's like we do the balloons, we go to a restaurant that we know she loves and just focus on things that are special to her rather than trying to live in that space of grief of like what it should be like or Mm. what I wanted her birthdays to look like. I think that's helped me the last couple of years not go so deep down that (laughs) rabbit hole of grief.
0: Well, what I want to highlight as you're sharing is I'm getting a sense of like how you've evolved as a mom, like letting go of what you thought would be, letting go of like the birthday party and kind of forcing it and then realizing, eh, that didn't really work. It didn't really hit the mark here. And through leaning into that acceptance, you're like, really what works great? You know, I think there's um, a gift when we as parents get to shower our kids with something, right? Like that I think feels really good for us. And so for you to be like, it's balloons and like for you to lean in, like, okay, we're going all in, we're getting the biggest brightest bouquet, and really genuinely getting to see her enjoy that. So yeah, your evolution is is really um, easy to see. And I think a good, I guess, point of hope for me is like, okay, we're going to continue to evolve here. Not that we'll figure it out to avoid all the pain, but like we're going to learn along the way. So do you have anything to add, Erica?
2: Yeah. I'm um, thinking about last year when Jack was turning four, it was the first year that we got him a gift that he actually wanted and that he, we knew he wanted it. And of course he was only four. They're they're so really young, but I have an older son who was communicating with us when he was two. We knew, I mean, this was so, this was so different. We didn't know what Jack wanted. We didn't know what Jack liked. We didn't know what he didn't like. He didn't really start talking very well. And actually I would say that in the last year, he's able to organically talk to us um, more than he ever has. And so last year we figured out that he loved lawn tools and we figured out because every time my husband was mowing the lawn or using something, Jack had to be right there. And even though with William syndrome, their hearing is so much more sensitive than ours. He would cover his ears and, you know, put something over his ears so that he could be present with those that lawnmower, that weed eater, that leaf blower, whatever it was. He was glued to the window or wanted to be outside. And so we got him the whole works. And it felt so good to finally be like, here's something that you like, here's Mm -hmm. something that you want. I mean, for all of the grieving and all of the, the stuff that isn't going to go the way we thought it would to finally find something like Brooke, you're talking about balloons. Like doesn't really matter what it is. I mean, I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. Like that is, they have something that they like. And we all, as, as you know, the human existence is, is finding something that you love and having a hobby and it's important for people to know that. And it's important for us as his parents to know that. And so watching him open those, it was the leaf blower, the weed eater, the lawnmower, the chainsaw. And we went all out. <laughs> like we're going to get, you get you real every- power equipment. Oh, Karen, no. <laughs> oh,
0: I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Sorry, I
2: should have prefaced that. No. Well, I mean, I was
0: thinking that would be pretty epic, but I mean, I guess I that was maybe well, slightly. We're very okay.
2: So I mean we are we're like we live in a very rural area. I mean,
0: yes, my husband Because there's electric of, stuff that's not that dangerous. I'm
2: just saying. No, <laughs> yeah, no, going. this was like the total like um, blower. You know, the stuff that you'd buy at like Target or, you know, get off Amazon or something, the pretend stuff you know, it's kid sized, but he, I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm now
0: realizing the ridiculousness of my question. (laughs) No, you're
2: fine. You're totally fine. Um, no. And like, I have pictures of him and he's like total stone faced. Like there's no like smile because he is so, I've never seen him like that. Just completely enraptured with this gift, this, these things that he'd been waiting to have for so long. And then he gets them out of the box and he just leaves like the little party and just goes and starts using them right then and there. And it was just such a beautiful thing to see him interacting with something in a way that I've never seen him interact with before.
0: Yeah, I can, I feel you so much on that. And I think that, that I think right now is where we're struggling right now to figure that out. Like over the years, I'm thinking about different things we've done. I, I ask about the real tools because a few years ago, Levi wanted an easy bake, Oven, right? And I don't know if you guys have seen those lately, but they're really kind of like disappointing. You can barely bake anything in them. And, you know, I used to always want them as a child and I was like, this is not cool. Anywho, we ended up getting him a toaster oven because he could actually bake stuff in it. And so it's just funny to think about oh, I got my 10 year old a toaster oven for his birthday <laughs> and he loved it. But I think we're having a harder time figuring it out at this point. So that's kind of where I'm struggling. So Burke, you shared, you guys just do balloons. Like you do balloons. That's her gift. And you get to just enjoy that. Is there anything you would add kind of, as we talk about gifts, thoughts behind it, your philosophy, and like maybe even more of what you had to let go
1: of? Yes. I have a lot to say about this <laughs> um, because it's also, this happens at Christmas time too. Yeah, You know, it's like, what do you do for when extended family reaches out and they're like, what should we get Lily for Christmas? Or what does Lily want for her birthday? And it, you know, we don't ever know what to say because Mm -hmm. she doesn't show that she ever wants anything. We take her to the store. She's not interested in toys. And that's been something that I grieved so heavily as, as a mom, when she was little, I vividly remember, (laughs) this might make me emotional. (laughs) I vividly remember saying, I want Lily to have a a kitchen, you know, like the little play mm-hmm. kitchen. Cause mm-hmm. I want to play with her. I want to play house and cook food. And I will never forget the way that my husband looked at me when I brought it home because it's like, he knew this isn't going to play out the way you think it's going to play out. And she never touched it and mm-hmm. it got dusty. And I went through so many years of like trying to force what I wanted her to want, what I wanted her to like, what I wanted her to enjoy. And I in hindsight see how much extra grief that caused me because i was trying to make something happen that wasn't going to happen so having to let that go was a struggle in and of itself and now it's like we just embrace what she loves and what she loves at 12 years old is mickey mouse clubhouse and balloons and going on car rides and going to restaurants and so that's what we do and you know, when family members reach out and say, what does Lily want? You know, sometimes I'll say, oh, she's really into this right now. Or, you know, it started to kind of become like, oh, we'll send a gift card or whatever. And the stance we've taken on that is just save the money until there's something big that she wants. For example, she's obsessed with the dog bed. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) this Christmas, she got gift cards from family members and we said, you know what? Let's buy her one of these human dog beds. I don't know if you've seen them, but these like no, humongous no. oversized dog beds. And, you know, that's also helped us because it's not this pressure of like, oh, you got to buy Lily this toy. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what? If you want to do something, you can send a gift card. And when, we, when there's something she needs or something she wants, you know, we'll use that money for that. And that's helped a lot. But I still think that It's been more about me letting go of an expectation and just honoring who she is. That's helped me get to the point that I'm at now, but there's still sadness, you know? Yeah. I
0: was taking notes as you were talking, because I think that for me, I'm like, oh, I think that there's still some resistance of what I want him to want versus what he actually wants. And actually I even had some ideas pop up. I'm like, I know what he would love to do is he would love to go to, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's a restaurant, like a country restaurant, Cracker Barrel. When he was in the hospital ten last year, he would see commercials for Cracker Barrel. And so he was like obsessed with it. He still like talks about it all the time. And I'm like, you know what would make his day to take him to the two hour away Cracker Barrel and just go all out. And it's funny because that is kind of the last thing I'd ever want to (laughs) do personally. But for me, hearing you talk, Brooke, and just kind of really recognizing of where my attachments and my desires are blocking me from seeing what he wants. So thank you very much for that. Um, Robin, did you have anything to add on that?
3: No, I, I kind of wanted to tag on, though. It It's so hard when you have a child that's nonverbal. Kind of lucky for me, because we're still in the like... Three, four, five-year-old phase of so kids love all the things right now. Michael is obsessed with Fisher Price, and they, it started when he was about maybe a year old. Fisher Price has these like set of toys called Linkimals, and they all—they're little animals, but they link to each other through Bluetooth, and so they we have all of them. And there's Marcus says he on a Saturday morning that he's setting up Michael's petting zoo. We have like 12 of them. And they all talk to each other. And it's the loudest house in the neighborhood. I'm sure all Mm -hmm. the neighbors are wondering what the heck we're doing on a Saturday morning. And then they have a roll call. So you'll hear koala, moose, llama, and they're all shouting at each other. But I do think you guys are kind of preparing me for like, what is my future? What is our future like? Will Michael be able to communicate? I don't know. Will he be able to tell me on his own? Is it going to be something that I have to navigate through the iPad, his talk box? Is it something that only Marcus will know because they have a secret language that only brothers speak? And it's, it's hard. And it, a thought that popped into my mind was, Karen, I have talked about this a lot, is the season of like triaging. You kind of it, just like in a hospital, I'm a pharmacist, and so every time something new comes up, you have to like re triage the episode or re re triage this moment in your life. Um, whether it's like a new, like last year, Karen and I talked about it a lot when Levi's MRI came back and it he had to go through um, radiation and surgery, and just and COVID was still a thing, and just struggling with that season in life and just a retriage. And I think it's kind of hard because like you said, Christmas and birthdays are the same. It's like a retriage of this, maybe you're triggering, you know, like this retriage of this moment. And so that's hard. And I think as my kids get older, I think that's something that I will also probably struggle with is what do you do? And do you just, yeah, kind of say, Hey, Michael loves going to, the Cracker Barrel. How about you get us gift cards for Cracker Barrel or whatever? I think that, yeah, it's just something that I'll have to, I'm taking notes over here too, because something that I think even just as moms in general, and maybe just boy moms, I don't know. I don't know anything about what boys are into, So I'm extra, <laughs> extra on the confusion radar.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Um There's so much to learn as parents. Yeah, I feel like this has been so helpful for me. An aspect that some of us will have more to say on than others, because I know Lily is an only child, but is sometimes the ability that our kids have to focus on other children's birthdays and understand they're not always the center of attention. And I know, Erica, you brought up the idea of like Jack, He in his mind, he's always the star of the show. And so therefore, the gift should obviously be for him. <laughs> And any party, and so, and I, I don't relate exactly on that, but I would say, as I mentioned earlier, it's like Levi's very unclear I'm like, well, why, why can't I go to that party too? Like, I want to go to the party. He's not able to kind of see beyond himself and maybe what would be either socially appropriate or think about maybe how other people might feel. So, I want to just kind of open talking about how do you support the siblings in honoring their birthday. And the dynamic that perhaps exists between their sibling with disabilities. Go ahead, Erica.
2: Yeah. So we've dealt with this quite a bit. In fact, my daughter just had her first birthday last month and Jack doesn't understand, like you had already mentioned, that not all presents are for him. And I know that's normal amongst a lot of younger kids anyways, that they see a present, they think, oh, that must be for me. And that's just something that he struggles with in a lot of areas, not just with gifts. Jack doesn't see the value of a toy unless somebody else is playing with it. So Mm -hmm. you could give him and my other son, the same toy could be the same color, do the same things. And Jack sees my other son Everett playing with it. And he wants that one because Everett's bringing that toy to life. And Jack doesn't quite know how to do that. and so. We struggled with this and everything, anytime we're around other kids, Jack wants what they have. And so when it comes to gifts, because we are so excited about presents, we've just had to take a lot of precautions. For my daughter's birthday, he was opening gifts as they were coming into the house. And so we were, I was Mm -hmm. expecting that. And so we were putting them elsewhere. We were hiding them from him, basically for like christmas time the gifts did not come under the tree until literally christmas eve when they were asleep because he'll just unwrap them um he has no imp- he has no self control very poor impulse control so it can be really difficult especially when you have an older child like my older son who is aware of these things and feels like it's unfair um mm-hmm. that you know we Just certain things have to be different because of Jack. And there's also been instances where we've said no to Jack going to a birthday party that maybe he was invited to and his brother got to go. And I know that my other son feels a little bit of a disappointment like, why can't Jack go with me? And he understands why. But basically, the way that I'm choosing to operate in this reality that we have is what is the path of least resistance? Like mm-hmm. what is going to bring the most peace in the situation? There's nothing I can do to change Jack. Maybe he's going to grow out of this, some of, some of this stuff. I, I I don't know. But as far as like sibling birthdays or other friends that we get invited to, it's taking those precautions. Even when we are going into a situation where, you know, maybe we have to, we have to just do it differently than we normally would that comes with some negative feelings a little bit, but the longer that I do this, the more that I do this with Jack and with our family, the more I find that it's actually okay. Like I'm finding so much more peace on the other side of acceptance that this is just mm-hmm. the way that it is. We may have to operate a little bit differently, but we can still have fun. And so as far as like sibling birthdays go to, I always make sure I have a present for Jack because that's the path of least resistance. Like Mm -hmm. I can't make him sit there and not open something and handle his meltdown. It takes away so much from my other children or the other kiddo. Um, So Jack gets present at other birthdays and that's just the way that we try to manage that. I love
0: the concept of what's the pathway of least resistance. I think that Gosh, there's so much about attachment. We get attached to what's the right thing to do, or what's the thing that people expect me to do. And giving yourself the freedom, permission, whatever it is, to just be like, what would make this easy? (laughs) Like, what would make this easier on me? What would avoid the meltdown? What would make kind of some of the impact of the challenges of the disabilities not be as big of an impact. So thank you so much for all of that, Erica. That was really, really insightful. Anything to add on on this topic before we move on to another?
3: Um, this is Robin. I think that we, Tony and I, my husband also kind of operate under the path of least resistance. Like I said earlier, we do a lot of our birthday parties at home, like upcoming for in July is Marcus's birthday. And so we're also doing a home birthday because Michael has failure to thrive and so he still has to eat around a certain schedule and he's pretty particular he wants his high chair to be facing only northwest with a specific temperature on the um thermostat and he wants a certain song on the radio and so he needs certain conditions in participating member of the mealtime So I think that, Mm -hmm. um, having it at home allows us to like still have Marcus's birthday in the backyard, but when it's noon, we can bring Michael inside and kind of have lunchtime and, and Marcus can still be having fun with his friends. And they like, he doesn't even notice that we're gone because it's just, we're inside. And if he wants to see one of us, he comes in and okay, you're feeding Michael, no biggie and back to his party. That if we were out at, you know, in San Diego, there's bounce house, bouncy places or trampoline gyms or all the, you know, all the places where you can have birthday parties, we wouldn't have that flexibility of just being able to bring Michael inside and have mealtime or he's still naps. So nap time. And I think we're kind of in that season of like just young kids. So other families get it and other, fa- like a lot of, Marcus's friends have siblings and a lot of Michael's friends have siblings. so people understand that like a short morning birthday party or post nap birthday party, like things are kind of built around their little kid's schedule. But I think as we get older, I think it, it will still be navigating as the path of least resistance because that's just life. And I think that's just life with multiple kids. And I, I think that's probably how my parents parented as well. Like, I think that's just how you, it operates like you just kind of you can't make everybody happy so you just try to make the most people happy well when you say
0: it like that robin it sounds so easy
3: (laughs) but i it's funny because i
0: think um as i mentioned earlier yeah this conversation really really was very very helpful for me and as we move to kind of wrap up I wanted to just kind of open it. If there's anything kind of topic-wise that we didn't touch on that it feels like, oh, wow, this was missing from the conversation or just kind of anything that you want to share as we start to wind down this conversation. Go ahead, Erica.
2: You know, I think that as we're talking, I'm thinking about a lot of the emotions that I might have around his birthday or a lot of the more challenging stuff that I have is, you know, part, part of it is his behavior for sure. Like his... Obsessiveness over wanting to have things and that he's that aren't his, or you know, his low impulse control, things like that. But a lot of what the other two ladies here have said is that when we just really yield to what m- makes our kids happiest mm-hmm. and what it's all about, it actually can be really simple. And I, I'm finding, Kara, you know this because we talk regularly, but the more that I walk this path as this mom with Jack who has a disability, who has Williams syndrome, the more I lean into him and who he is and what is most important to him, the other stuff, the stuff that I may place on, the the stuff that I'm trying to force or maybe the things that I had expected of, of being his mom The less I lean into that and the more that I lean into just him and who he is and what makes him happy and what makes them thrive, it gets a lot easier to just uh, celebrate him and whatever that looks like every year may be different. Um, And yeah, we do have to do things. We have to do harder things. We have to, one parent has to be willing to maybe leave the party or one parent has to be willing to stay with the other kids. But, you know, he doesn't know that he's actually, and this is, this is just true of us. I'm not saying this is true of all kids, because if you said Levi's um, a lot more aware and stuff, but it is challenging, but I think that there is a lot of opportunity for us to find peace. We just have to be willing to kind of like let go maybe Mm. of some of the things.
0: I could not have said it better. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: I think that listening to Erica say that what's coming to mind for me is resisting reality. Mm -hmm. The reality that Levi doesn't want to do a birthday party or, you know, like that you would think or with me, you know, Lily doesn't have 20 girlfriends to come over and have a sleepover and paint their nails and do all that. You know, that's maybe what I would have imagined or I would have wanted when I'm 12, but she's a person too. She doesn't like the same things I like. And the more that I resist that reality, the more I suffer Mm -hmm. because I want something that's not going to be, and I'm trying to make something happen. And then everybody's upset. She's not having fun. I'm stressed out. Erica said, celebrating him, like it's her birthday. It should be about her. If Levi wants to go to Cracker Barrel, I mean, we'll come, we love (laughs) Cracker barrel, but you know, but it's like, why do we resist so much what they want to do? Like, where does that come from within us? Why are we resisting them, what Mm -hmm. they want and trying to put our desires over theirs? Yes. So, So well said. Yeah.
0: Go ahead, Robin.
3: I don't know that that's necessary. I think it. It is a lot more common in the special needs parenting realm, but I think that's just parenting in general. I think you're, all of us yes, because even with my with neurotypical, if you will, child, I still want Marcus to do things that he doesn't want to <laughs> do or yeah, or like things that he doesn't want to like. And I know Tony and I have kind of struggled with Marcus is not he's just not the sports kid. I think he's going to be the track kid. I think he's going to be the one that like goes out to track. He kind of does like individual sports, but Tony is devastated that Marcus doesn't want to be on a t-ball team or soccer team or fill in the blank sports team. Um, And so I think that that's definitely just a parenting struggle in general, but maybe we kind of feel it more as special needs parents because we want so much more for them or we want to, we kind of feel like we're already invested so much more medical appointments being nonverbal not, you know, like I have to make decisions for Michael that I don't know if they're the decisions he wants me to make. I don't know if it's, so you just have to like really lean in and trust your gut. And so you put so much more on your emphasis, um, mm. And so I think, yeah, but I think that's something that anyone that listens to this podcast could relate to because I think it's a parenting moment, not just a special needs moment.
0: No, totally agree. I think it's just like like many things in the special needs parenting world, it's just a kind of uh, maybe one, I think we look at it under a microscope so we analyze it more and we do think, oh, we're different. And simultaneously. I do sometimes think it is uh, magnified or it's just kind of made a little bit bigger with the impact. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I think really how, um, how you said it, like when we resist reality, we suffer. And sometimes the reality that we resist is that like, actually we're very responsible for how we're feeling and that we have um, a role to play in kind of who we're being about these birthdays. So I'm going to close this out. And I just want to thank each one of you for being here For me, it was a huge gift. It's part of my process. You know, as I've mentioned, like it's been a really hard couple weeks as I've been kind of mentally and emotionally grappling with this. And now I feel like I have some areas to look at within myself and even some excitement about how to really honor Levi. So thank you so much for that. We'll see you all in the next episode. One more thing before we officially, officially wrap up this show Sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I have the experience of wanting more. I'm listening at the very end thinking, I sure wish that episode didn't end. I invite you, if you feel in any way the same way, I invite you to the Special Needs Mom podcast community, which is a free group that I host on Facebook, where we as a community of fellow moms who listen to this podcast and are experiencing life in similar shoes, get to talk to one another, get to share stories, get to actually interact. I hope you'll consider joining. See you over there.